0: Are you ready to truck it? Welcome to the Enterprise Fleet Summit and welcome back for lunch. Hope you had a good time. Hope you enjoyed that icebreaker. I'm Dooner here with
1: the dude, Michael Vincent. Yeah, the icebreaker. Hopefully, people are making some good connections. I know they are on the uh, chat channels.
0: Yeah, I've made some lifelong friends at these things. And actually, oh, yeah, I made absolutely. some in an icebreaker. People I still talk to to this day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A beautiful time. Absolutely. Networking is what it's all about.
0: Hey, for those of you who are not familiar with What the Truck, we are a podcast that happens three times a week here at FreightWaves.com. Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays at noon Eastern time. You can also listen to it on demand on Freightways TV or Podcast Players Everywhere. Just look it up wherever you ever get it. We also have a newsletter that comes out on Tuesdays, slash WTT to subscribe for that. This has been a great event so far. We kick things off with the brother of a gentleman I just had on Insiders. Michael Detroit. Lato was just on Insiders, and I got great insight. Freightways Insiders, by the way, another podcast available on Podcast Players Everywhere. I got some great insight on the relationship between. Andrew Leto and Michael Leto. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So gave me a lot of context when Andrew met up with our proud president, George Abernathy. What was your takeaway? They were talking about uh, LTL versus, versus truckload and that Roadrunner investment.
1: Yeah, so it was it was interesting to me because I, I grew up in, in LTL. That was the first twelve years of my career was was LTL. And so I you know, being in truckload, it's interesting to hear the differences between between the two of those. And and you know, we're talking about pricing and where pricing is in truckload, et cetera. In this particular thing, he's talking about the static nature of LTL and how important that is and why some of the reasons he invested in, in Roadrunner, right? And how difficult it is The planning that you have to have, that static nature, it doesn't adjust during the season. You can't adjust it during the season. There's no spot market to run and jump out into and all that other kind of thing. So you've got to really plan for it, even though it's a very, very lucrative market right now, even in LTL, very high to be a carrier. Uh, You've got to plan because it can drop or it can go go up. And so it's still very, very difficult and long-term planning is the key there.
0: Yeah, it's more service intensive and it's more it intensive is. on both sides too because you have the shippers who have to worry about how their freight is classified and all those kind of things. Highly recommend working with a, a good advisor or a good broker on those kind of things. It can save you a substantial amount of money, especially Absolutely. in LTL. I can't tell. I used to work for a 4PL and I can't tell you the number of times that we found misclassified freight on there. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Shippers are paying way more than they needed to, sometimes less too. But well, you know, uh, when they pay yeah. less, it's not like you notify. The, the no, guy. no, no,
1: no. There, there's plenty of that, that, that play the game of, of putting a lower class on there to get cheaper i'm sure sure. I mean, yeah. sure yeah i was a w and i inspector i used to find that stuff all the weight and inspections guy at, at roadway for a while we used to find it. the other thing that i thought was interesting and I, we discussed this a little bit was the that was his, his statements and he's right and i understand i don't understand really why is is um the the industry truckload and and, and ltl shippers they don't buy on advertising
0: yeah is what he was
1: saying. You've got to have that enterprise sales force that's out there knocking on the doors.
0: So why do you think that is? I mean, if it's if a sales force can accomplish it, why can't advertising accomplish it? Is it because so much of the business is done on load boards and it's just names and numbers on a load board? Or is it because the industry hasn't leveraged advertising all of that? Well, you know, this has traditionally not been a great business with great marketing until uh, recently. Companies yeah, like well, Freightways he, came he, around.
1: Yeah, and he gave a shout out. He gave a shout out to to our 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 own company that we're near and dear to Freightways, yeah. Right, there was no medium to to really get that out there and affect uh, the industry through through pointed marketing. Yeah, right. It was too across the board. Now you have that option, right? So it's never been traditional, right?
0: Yeah, to be able to do it. I have to agree with you. I mean, part of marketing, too, is telling brand stories and brand journeys. That's one yeah. of the reasons I brought insiders back is there's so many stories and founder journeys, those kind of things that haven't even been really talked about yet, especially in these kind of formats. It's 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 good stuff. But you know what? There's a there's a problem. We were just at lunch, so I know you're hungry and I hope you had some ketchup to dip your fries in because there <laughs> is a ketchup package shortage of twenty twenty one. You know, we've had a lot of things end up in recently. We've had a, a number of things in supply chain end up in the mainstream, right? And it's usually yes. bad stuff. You know, there's no toilet paper out there. Uh, you have the, the the situation with the semiconductors and the microchips yeah. affecting the auto industry. Obviously the Suez Canal with the Ever Given. Yeah. And right now you got the ketchup packet thing going on. And there's a lot of different things that are driving this, but the new supply chain shortfall is delicious. Apparently Heinz is struggling to keep pace with the demand for ketchup packages. There, there's been a 13% increase in ketchup packet prices since 2020. You know that can be a substantial, considering it's a free item that you're typically giving away. Um, with more people eating at home too, ketchup bottle sales have also increased 15% in the last year. It's over one billion dollars in 2020. Yeah, I imagine
1: the fast food's not just tossing 15, 20 in your bag anymore. No. Steve, <laughs> Steve Carnell at Kraft Heinz, president of Enhancer Specialty and Away From Home Business Unit, told today. told today food the unmatched consumer love of our iconic Heinz brand as well as our long-lasting partnership with the restaurant industry are two responsibilities we take very seriously which was why we made strategic manufacturing investment at the start of the pandemic to keep up with a surge in demand for ketchup packets driven by the accelerated delivery and takeout
0: trends yeah second
1: in importance only to toilet paper
0: a lot of angles coming at them. Right. <laughs> plus, yeah. plus, with lockdowns being removed, a lot of people getting vaccinated. I got my two shots. My this gentleman right here's gotten his two shots. More people are feeling comfortable going out. More people are feeling comfortable going to restaurants. But then you also have that huge delivery market that that percolated and grew during the uh, that grew during this pandemic. The Wall Street Journal says that 300,000 tons sold to food service last year of these ketchup packets, and that's according to research firm Euromonitor, right? Even more is eaten at home, and the pandemic helped push ketchup sales in the U.S. over $1 billion in 2020, 15% higher than in 2019. The company plans to open two new manufacturing lines in April, and more after that, increasing production by about 25%. for. So they have that buffer. They got that yeah. 15% increase. They're being smart. They want a 25% increase, a so 10% overwrite. All right. For a total of more than $12 billion pounds. It's a year, and apparently they have people working the line night and day to meet this catch-up uh, <laughs> shortage in the middle. I personally haven't experienced a catch-up shortage, but I'm seeing the stories out there. I haven't either, but I'm thinking about: uh, Are you going to
1: convert some of your acreage you got out there on the North Shore to uh, tomato farming?
0: To tomato farming? Well, I got yeah. like a hundred feet of acreage. <laughs> feet. <laughs> I don't no, you know, did, maybe we'll two go or go three. Up. Two or three plants in there. Eh? Well, th- that's what. So, what? Some of these restaurant owners were talking about that. I guess the, the Heinz brands people are so impassioned by it. A lot of these restaurants are they're putting it in like. Like unmarked cops are making their own ketchup or ooh, having to use generic brands. Oh no, yeah. no! no, no, no! Don't do that. It's don't. like when you order, you know, Coke at the restaurant. They go, like, oh, "Is Pepsi okay?" Yeah. I'm
1: like, no, it's not okay.
0: It's a little <laughs> flatter, but I guess I'll take it. As long
1: as it's peep flavored.
0: Hey, speaking of the Sioux, the Fallout, that's one of those things, those boilerplate plates that has moved out of the news cycle, but the Fallout's yeah. not gone. And then the Fallout's been happening in a lot of ways, but here's one of the more interesting stories that I saw, and we covered it in the What the Truck newsletter yesterday, but it has to do with the blame game. Who is responsible for the ever given getting stuck the way yeah, it did? Yeah, exactly. I can tell you who wasn't responsible who was not responsible Marwa Islander Isla- she uh, she found herself in the center of an internet controversy when someone took a fake news headline from Arab News they they doctored it up and they reported to show her as the captain of this ship and she was you know she was getting harassed her family was getting death threats I mean this this is in Egypt and what I found interesting about this story was not only did she talk about how People seem to be very receptive, especially in that region, to have a female face to point a finger at. But also the fact that um, the fact that they had a female face to point a finger at, but also because they they kind of you need that scapegoat. You have to have a
1: scapegoat, right? I mean, was uh, I wonder how was she maliciously uh,
0: brought into this? Well, she told the BBC that she felt that she might be targeted because she's a successful female in this field. Or because she's Egyptian, she's not sure. And she's accomplished. She's very accomplished. In fact, she's done a few things here. She is the first mate aboard the eighty of four, which is where she was at the time yeah, of the hundred, of- hundreds
2: of miles away. Yeah, she wasn't anywhere time. close to yeah. there. Yeah.
0: But what she did do in that ship is she is the youngest person. And the first female to cross the Suez Canal after it had been expanded. So she's been through there. She got through there fine and had no issues like that, that happening at all. Here's a few highlights, too, of that. You know, we don't think about this that often. It's kind of a silent industry, these ships at sea, right? And a lot of people are struggling. These seafarers, they're not getting vacation. They're not getting time off. They're not getting to go home. Well, only 2% of, of seafarers are women, but... Of that 2%, 94% of female seafarers work in the cruise industry, according to the IMO.
1: Okay. Now, yeah. okay, that's included in there. I would, That makes it even more astonishing that it's only 2%. Yeah. Because I didn't even think of that uh, as being, you know, less industrial Yeah, uh, of, of a thing. But 2%, wow, that's... Far less than trucking. We need more women in our industry. Sure. I mean,
0: we have seven percent here in trucking. Yeah. It goes between six and seven percent year over year. And that's something we'd love to see increase and improve. But I mean, that being on a cruise being on not a cruise ship, that, that seems like a tough life too. But being on uh being it's, on a yeah. cargo ship seems like a much tougher life. And I've been on both. Yeah. Have
1: yeah. you? Yeah. The 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 cargo ship not so good. <laughs> Where did you take the cargo ship to? Uh home after nine eleven. oh really yeah stuck on an island whose vessel was it Uh, i was with tropical shipping at the time really
0: yeah interesting i did not know that about you they're not uh yeah they're not made for cruising (laughs) well (laughs) well we have a first guest we have a first guest coming up right now it's alexander stevenson he's vice president product management over at samsara and i learned something new when i was researching this guest that people who work at samsara are called samsarians alexander welcome samsarian
3: Thank you. Uh, nice to be speaking with you guys today.
0: Yeah, you've walked some of the same streets as me, too. You were over at MIT in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So always happy to talk to someone who's walked the same beaten path.
3: Absolutely. No, I love uh, going to Anna's Taqueria and getting all of the, the local uh, uh, delicious things in, uh, in Cambridge and Boston. So, yeah, I miss it. Love that. Beautiful.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome stuff. No, the Samsarian. So tell us a little bit uh, about it. You, you. So you went to Cambridge, MIT, yeah. and then you started your own peer to peer ride share company.
3: That's right. Yeah. So often in, uh, in Europe, I got funded by Europe's largest PC to, to do ride sharing. And, and there too, you know, the goal there was also trying to, to make things more efficient. You know, cars aren't used uh, a lot of the time they sit parked. And so we wanted to try to use those more. And then uh, when that wound up, uh, I ended up uh, joining, uh, joining Sam to try to to help uh, increase the the efficiency of, uh, of the the trucking and, and logistics business so.
0: so for those unfamiliar with what you Samsarians do over there what do you guys do
3: <laughs> well we're the the leader in, in connected operations so so our mission is to increase the efficiency sustainability and safety of the operations that power the global economy so so what that means for us is is that we're you know trying to, to provide uh, you know, solutions not just for fleets of vehicles which we we do a lot but also equipment and also sites and work sites to help businesses run more efficiently and safer.
1: Awesome stuff. So the Sumsarium comes from your LinkedIn article that said, uh, we love it when Samsarians get creative with our products. Recently, some leverage our different hardware to build automated greenhouses and plant monitoring systems. Now, uh, two Samsarians and Samsaria. Yeah. <laughs> what does I mean? It, it seems interesting that we're we're talking about logistics and people connecting greenhouses, etc. What does this yeah. mean to these companies to be able to connect all these these dots and be able to manage all this data?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, our, our business is not really greenhouses. That was like a, an engineer project that we wanted to do. You know, what we, what, what we really think about when we're connecting companies is, is two main things. So, that, you know, the, the data visibility and, and getting them on a single platform. And so I'll cover both of those. So, so when it comes to data visibility, what we're trying to do is provide this sort of next level in visibility across their entire operation. So we want to give them visibility into their physical sites, into their vehicles, into their equipment and what the equipment's doing and into what their workforce is doing and kind of unify that. And so what we can do is we can sort of aggregate all of that data at, at you know, at scale. And so that they get they get this accurate, um, you know, actionable data that lets them make better business decisions because that's ultimately what it's all about. And and so, you know, some examples, right? We're, we're designing our own um, IoT device. So we build our own hardware to connect into vehicles or connect, uh, or to build our own dash cameras that have integrated AI, AI, AI chips that we can run AI models in the camera. Uh, we have our own asset gateways and our own industrial gateways, so we can stream all of this data to the cloud and help uh, help give that that visibility. And then we can do that in the second part in a, in a in a one platform, right? So by design, we have a single dashboard that lets them connect multiple parts of their operation. And so that way, they're they're you know from the safety and security of their vehicles to to what's happening in their sites. Uh, to what's happening in equipment, we can we can sort of unify that in a single a single space for our customers.
0: Wow. You know, data is a great thing, right? Mm-hmm. But data is something you got to keep clean. It can easily get overwhelming. Um, I yeah. love when it starts off. It's like a garden. You're talking about greenhouses. Data is yeah. its own garden. If you let it get in the weeds, well, the weeds grow really quick, <laughs> very quickly. And when you're talking about all these data points, right, trillions of data points, how, it, it can be overwhelming, right, to the average fleet yeah. owner, the f- fleet operator. Mm-hmm. How do we make it actionable and how do we make it in, in a form that they can use?
3: Yeah, no, that's a, a key challenge, you know, right? So, so there's a, a couple of ways. So, so to turn data into actionable actionable insights, right, which is what we go for, uh, you've you've got to do that by by leveraging technology. And so, people can't, you know, accumulate. Now we can collect way more data than a person can sit down and read at this point. And so, what we do is we use artificial intelligence and cutting edge approaches to sort through that and surface actionable insights. And we try to have brilliant design. We've got a great team. That you know that specializes in how to how to design user interfaces and do that to, to surface those insights in a way that 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 fleet managers safety managers can actually uh, can actually understand and so so you know some examples might be like uh, you know our our artificial intelligence for safety right our safety AI sorts through thousands of hours of of video footage in in dash cameras on you know in in camera without having to to transmit anything to the cloud to find the few minutes. Of really relevant, you know, coachable content that you might want to actually talk to a, a driver about improving safety, uh, without having to then monitor them and, and send a bunch of stuff to the, the cloud. Similarly, um, you know, benchmarking. We've recently launched a feature where we can um, look through all of uh, the customers that have given us, you know, access to anonymize and uh, uh, and, and process their their data to find, um, you know, how to uh, build a benchmark. So that you can check for 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 your fleet if you are performing uh, well against other fleets of your type. So for fleets that also have you know lots of short trips and uh, might uh, be running this certain model of truck, uh, how what kind of efficiency are they getting? What kind of uh, uh you know uh, parameters are are they operating in their fleet? So you can kind of know if you're doing a good job. It's more than just knowing the data, because the data doesn't always tell you what's wrong. You got to know, hey, for me, for my type of fleet, for that, what can I do to improve, and how do I make my my business better and, and more competitive.
0: Yeah, I mean, even as he's talking here, you're thinking about all of the new ways data is extracted as everyone tries to fill that juice cup full of data. Yeah. And even video, he's mentioning the dash cam. So you're not just pulling the video itself. There's there's other data that is compiled and parsed from that actual video.
3: That's right. So you can you can actually get, you know, so so there's models now that can can look at the video in the dash camera, and computers can can extract what's going on so we can read position of traffic around the vehicle understand if they're following too close or not and 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 actually alert uh, drivers and prevent accidents because you can say let's say if a driver's not looking at the at the road and we can detect with a camera that there's a vehicle in front of them that's getting in a, a dangerous uh, situation we can fire an audio alert in the cab uh, and avoid that but it's it's you know even outside of the truck you know like uh, there's a, a customer for example um, Sir terrace they are a Canadian uh, 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 compressed natural gas and, and renewable gas provider. So they're using not only these dash cameras to make things safe, but then they also have um, you know telematics in those tankers uh, to, to track position and make their, their deliveries more efficient. But then they're also using all of our, our equipment in uh, to monitor their pumps and compressors and uh, and other aspects. So they've also reduced their downtime. They know when they need to go service things. Uh, you know when, when they have downtime. Uh, you know, whole towns are without houses, or without uh, heat, right? And so that can be very serious. So having this sort of single view means you can start to work, you know, across both the safety aspect, but then also into the rest of the business operations. And and, and really, that's what we're trying to do for our customers.
0: Alexander, this has been this has been fascinating. And yeah. I, I mean, I wish we had the whole entire summit to talk. Unfortunately, we don't. But people who want to learn more information, continue the conversation with you. Where should we send them to?
3: Absolutely, head over to Samsara.com. Uh, and uh, and you'll you'll find everything you need to to need there. That's s a m s a r a dot com.
0: Hopefully, we see you at F three in person once we bring these in person yeah, events absolutely. back November eighth to tenth, was- right here in Chattanooga. That would be fantastic.
3: I'd love to get up to Chattanooga.
0: So yeah, hey, good. use promo code WTT. Go to go to, right. live, go to live.freightways.com. If you're going to check out one of these tickets, use promo code WTT. Save 200 bucks on me, on the two big guys up That's here. That's right. We'll save you some money, right? Get, That's right. Summertime. Yeah, we'll go save you 500 vacation. bucks, man. 200. Well, yeah. Well, how, how will it save you five? I don't know. It's only two. Well, buy more than one ticket. Well, but the, the it won't math out. Buy three. That would be 600. That's
1: why I'm on what the truck.
0: Yeah, exactly. Not what the math. Yeah. That's for freight economics. We'll let Anthony Smith do the math <laughs> questions. But right now, we got to talk to Chris Orban. He's vice president, data science over at Trimble, and he knows a little bit about Chattanooga because he spent some time down here in the past. Chris,
2: thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much, and and I also would love to get back to Chattanooga for uh, the next uh, in-person FreightWaves uh, meeting. But really look forward to that.
0: Uh, It's going to be great. November 8th to 10th. The energy is going to be off the charts. You know, one of the things, Chris, that you specialize in is a topic that has been very prominent today. Right. It's connected supply chains. And those have been highlighted, especially by the vaccine. And we're seeing the rollouts. And, you know, America's really gotten its stuff together recently. But last year, not necessarily the case. But talk a little bit about connected supply chains.
2: Well, what's really exciting for me is this this concept that we can move away from this sort of competitive nature of, you know, the shippers are going to try to get one over on the carriers, the carriers have to, you know, hold back and can't really share their full capacity or what they can actually do with the shippers because, you know, it's this competitive thing where we're always trying to, you know, one up the other person. And I truly believe, and you can call me naive, that We can connect shippers and carriers and logistics stations and the, 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 other things that support our supply chain to work together in a free and fair way and truly deliver better results to all of our customers. We can all be more efficient together. And I think things like the vaccine rollout that were 100% a huge challenge, both for the people producing and shipping the vaccine and for the carriers who you know might not have been used to an escorted ultra high security ultra low temperature with su- supreme levels of monitoring load uh, this this level of stress that was put on the entire supply chain was it really necessary if we'd all been sharing data more effectively if we'd all been kind of trusting each other right out of the gate could we have done this more effectively more efficiently gotten the vaccine to the people who needed it as quickly as possible and you're 100% correct you know, things are going much much better now but you know sadly Lives were lost because we were not as, as fast to deliver as we possibly could have. I mean, this industry is is amazing, um, and, and they, they they want to do the right thing all the time. Um, let, let's help empower that.
1: Agreed. And and amen to that, Chris. And and hopefully we won't be uh, short-sighted in our memory of how mm. important that was to uh, grab that together. The other part uh, is also the drivers, right? I mean, the drivers came to the forefront of how important that they were during the pandemic, uh, you know, holding up the front lines in the war against COVID, et cetera, keeping the economy running. Let's talk about that. How about the, the you know, serving our drivers better with, you know, pay and home time and, and better retention, right? Is that just a matter of making them happy?
2: You know, it's actually really interesting. One of the the shots I saw on uh, social media was uh, of the ridge cut uh, just outside Chattanooga, right? Mm, Um, And the only the only vehicles that were on the road, and it was a beautiful sunrise and everything. The only vehicles on the road were eighteen wheelers. And this was early in the pandemic, and I'm thinking to myself, man, here I am, and I am so incredibly lucky that I can work from home, and I can sit at my computer, and I don't have to you know, go out, and, and I can do Instacart and all that. And, and here are these drivers who are putting their lives on the line to get us the... Food to get us the essentials, to get us the stupid thing from Amazon that's gonna, you know, make me happy and you know make, make my you know weekend go a little bit better or something. And that driver might not get home to see, you know, his, his family. Um, and that driver she she might not be able to, you know, uh, get to her kid's birthday party or something like that. And this has been the case the whole time you know I think we don't acknowledge these things, so as we work towards more efficient tools you know better technology, things that can help improve the efficiency of our systems, we cannot leave the driver behind um, I, you know I, one of the things that I'm very passionate about is you know autonomous vehicles and, and where the future goes and, and assisted driving and things like that. I don't believe that we are going to Eliminate the driver anytime in the near future. We have to keep serving the driver. We have to keep getting them home. We have to keep treating them like the human beings they are, not just a number, not just somebody who can, you know, hold a wheel and, and fog a mirror, as we say, you know, like th- these are human beings who are doing an amazing, amazing job that I know I couldn't do. Can
0: you talk to us a little bit about some of the coaching and, and safety aspects you've been doing? Because you're using tech to do it. You're using what video to teach drivers, right? Video with machine learning uh, rolled into that. You're using data to give positive and uh, and critical feedback to drivers. Tell us how this is working. The behavior identification.
2: It's actually really interesting. I'm super glad I got to follow um, uh, the gentleman from SamSara because uh, what they're doing with some really, really cool technology um, is something that we are doing. We've chosen a kind of different path where we are pushing a lot of the information to the cloud so we can do this sort of higher level analytics and rather than just looking for some of these kind of single types of indicators you know that might indicate fatigue or might indicate you know a, a hard braking event or following too closely we want to look at the totality of the driver's behavior during their driving period and as you say create a custom coaching plan that recognizes both positive and negative behavior you know if you have a fleet of you know a 500 trucks how often do you get to talk to every single one of your drivers every single day? Probably pretty infrequently. Maybe if you have you know a, a stand down for safety reasons or something like that, or, or a driver appreciation day, maybe you can you know make a lot of calls and see people in person. But we believe that you can deliver targeted coaching plans based on the driver's actual actions every single day. And again, positive and negative. Let's acknowledge the fact that having a hard break because somebody cut you off, you might have just saved a life right there. That's not a negative. You you did something good. We need to be able to identify that behavior and acknowledge it.
0: Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough thing being a driver, right? Because you can do you can do a billion good things, right? Yeah. But one one lack of attention, you know, you fall asleep behind the wheel, any of these kind of things. I mean these these are critical, disastrous awful things that can happen behind the wheel. I love that tech is coming in here. And you know what, completely crucial too, with last year with all the CDL schools closing because of the pandemic. And we gotta be prepared for it again. We've talked so much about supply chain resiliency, Vincent, you said it. Let's not have short memories about this stuff, talk
2: about vaccine rolls and the logistics that wins that. Look, this can happen again. Yeah, we gotta be prepared. And let's let's go even further than that what can we think about that we haven't seen before so yes we can't forget the lessons we learned here but what is the next type of event and it's it's this this concept in data science where we think about you know how do we predict what we have never seen before. It's really, really hard. It's a tremendously challenging problem, but it's an understood problem. We can move towards and look at the weaknesses in our system and try to shore them up. And That's really what we believe at Trimble we can do with some of these tools around the supply chain and supporting the driver and doing this aut- autonomous coaching where we really, really help the people who need our help the most. Chris,
0: it's been a pleasure. How do people reach out, get more information, and learn about some of these great programs?
2: At Trimble.com, everything uh, you can need is right there and uh, we'll be happy to help you in any way we can.
0: Awesome. Take it easy, Chris. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much.
2: One of our last live events we
0: did a um, we did a what the truck from a Trimble event and there's a funny story because there was a different co-host here. <laughs> you were on the other side of uh, of the country. You're in California with our yes, I president was. George You're Abernathy proud president. <laughs> and yes, you were my my were, partner in crime. <laughs> you were, you were pranking that one former co-host <laughs> yes, yeah. about his hat. It was uh, it was a good time. But that was a great event that Trimble put out. And you know, we mentioned F3 folks. <sighs> Virtual events are great. We love them. We love them. We've been doing do. them for a year now here at Freightwaves, but We all want to get back together, too. We all want to get back together. We want it to be safe. We want it to be good. I think November is the right time. November 8th to 10th, F3. It's the Coachella Freight. It's a festival of freight. And this year in particular, so much energy. So well attended. I mean, we're looking at these ticket sales flying off the shelf. And as I mentioned, I mean, this is even, I think it sells itself. But. As a, uh, as a loyal listener or as a first time listener, we're still going to hook you up. Save 200 bucks. Live.freightwaves.com. Go get that F3 ticket. Type in WTT. Save yourself 200 bucks. Hey, when you're at the website, get the newsletter too. Freightwaves.com. Oh, yeah, slash you got to do that. Sign up for that. You got to do that.
1: I, which I missed reading it yesterday. I'm sorry. I was under the weather a little bit. It's yesterday. all right. It's all right.
0: I know. You, t- that's Look, we're not going to lie. That COVID shot, it can, it can put you down the next day. That,
1: that COVID shot can put you down for about a day. I can attest yeah. to it. I was out yesterday. It's just your immune system doing its thing. Yeah, that's exactly what it is.
0: Here's a big story. This is on FreightWaves.com. It was just published. And this is something that all fleets are facing, and it's this driver pay. We're talking about attracting drivers, keeping them happy. Mm -hmm. We talk so much about predictability in this business, but we're a reactive business, right? Yes. It's like the guy who always says, I keep it real. I'm real. I'm real. Like act real.
1: Chris was just talking about it. You know, we are, yeah. we're reactive. We reacted to COVID. Now we need to start modeling future things. So what could happen next, right? You don't know what you don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're reactive. but we're still getting back to the point where to, in order to attack drivers, you got to open the wall and you're, and you're going to yep. pay them more. And it's, it's eerily reminiscent. It's just reminding me of what happened in 2018. And I hope we don't have 2019 with those record bankruptcies because we have to pay these drivers to fill the seats. But what else can you do? Well, John Kingston reports, Knight Swift is the most recent trucking company company and the largest one in the latest round of increases to boost driver pay. Companies have been announcing increases in driver pay since the end of last summer. For every company that makes a public announcement, it is unknown how many are increasing pay rates without a public declaration.
1: That's right. And in the case of uh, Knight Swift, the numbers it announced early Wednesday appear to be put in the range of other recently disclosed increases, right? So the company noted that this was not an initial increase referring to multiple pay increases and incentives over the next six months. In the latest round of pay hikes, Knight Swift said that the experienced drivers, depending on that experience, will be able to uh, begin driving at more than 50 cents per mile, depending on the part of the country the job is based. The starting pay can even be at 60 cents per mile. The company also said that for independent contractors, contract rates will be increased by 3 cents to 5 cents per mile, depending on the line of business.
0: Hey, got to get the getting. Well, it's good, but we always talk about turnover in this, this industry, and then we constantly have these bonuses <laughs> in which makes the turnover because you're kind of incentivized as a, Driver, if you want more money, the best way to get it still is to a lot of times is to go to another company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, George, uh, our proud president, was uh, speaking earlier to uh, was it Abel at uh, at Dart? Dave Abel's, yeah, yeah, Dave Abel's at Dart, and he talked about the importance of of uh, of. of Bias towards the uh, the incumbent yeah. in in bid processes and how that can help everybody out in the business, right? Be more partners, not going back to like three year long contracts, yeah. But just uh, taking certain things out of those bid processes that that keep those relationships and that helps with der- driver turnover. Sure, does. they'll follow the business. This company loses this business to that. All the drivers move over there and it creates that turnover.
0: Hey, and also, if you want a job in supply chain, no better time. Separately, XBO said Wednesday it was launching a new wave of hiring initiatives. They're bringing a bunch of people on for their LTL business. XBO said it was looking to fill more than 1,400 positions, including 750 750- cdl drivers and 700 dock worker positions it also does 100 slots to fill for people who would work as dock workers while training for their cdl license so you get paid while training to fill a seat in a truck moving some of that ltl freight sounds like a pretty good deal and you know what Speaking of that, insiders, you know what Michael Lito told me on there? Michael Lito from Emerge, CEO at Emerge, who they like to hire. Now, we always hear about the ex-athletes. We yeah. always hear about the ex-athletes, but right. he said he likes to hire weight staff as well. The logistics of serving tables. Hey, we got another What the Truck coming up at you a little bit later in the program. Stay tuned here at the Enterprise Fleet Summit. Enjoy the day. We'll be back. We got another hot session coming right up. Peace and love.